Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. Welcome to Salt Lake Jake's Take. I am Salt Lake Jake. I've got my guys Peter and Brennan here with me. How are we, fellas? Doing great, Jake. Doing great. Doing great. Excellent. Jake. We have an epic guest with us today. I'm so excited when I found out he's going to be able to join us. An absolute legendary voice, the voice of Salt Lake Baseball. When the buzz came into Salt Lake in 1994, I was a teenager, and I love all sports, and I was I was so excited. And I remember driving around the valley listening to the voice of the Salt Lake Buzz, the legendary, one-of-a-kind, Mr. Steve Klauke is joining us today. Also the voice of, of course, Weber State basketball and football. Steve, how are you, my man? Doing well, just sitting here in my spacious hotel in downtown Reno. It's uh, uh, coming off a nice win last night, so it's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Excellent. We are so excited to to talk with you. Obviously, this is a Utah football podcast. We're going to jump into Weber State. But I asked our listeners a couple questions that they wanted to know from from Steve, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that before we get into the football. First of all, your legendary home run call. It's up there. It's out there. It's gone. How did that come into existence, and how did you make that your own? Well, it's funny because it was a situation where my boss at the time, uh, Brian Douglas, who was the director of broadcasting for the Jazz, uh, they were happy that uh, I was going to take over on the uh, radio side for the buzz. And so he thought I needed a catchphrase of some kind, whether it be a home run or something else. And I was actually driving up to Weber State to watch a football game. And I was just trying things out in my head as I was driving up. And that one kind of stuck. I kind of liked it. I kind of pictured it in my head in regards to a home run. And I, you know, I thought, you know, this fits. I mean, it's kind of an offshoot, maybe a little bit from Harry Carey's. It might be, it could be, it is. But I, I just thought it, it worked. And I think it has over the years. It definitely has. It's a, it's a fun call. And and uh, it's, it's good to hear that over the airwaves. Now, you had the opportunity, I believe it was either last year or two years ago, to call a couple uh, Angels games. Um, can you walk us through what that meant to you and how that felt? Wait, first of all, you know, it seems like it was just a year or two ago, but it was actually 2016 in which oh, wow. I had the opportunity to do two, three game series, one in May uh, in Seattle against the Mariners and one in uh, July at uh, Camden Yards, a three game series against Baltimore. And I was tickled to death that uh, Terry Smith, the longtime radio voice of the angels had to go to a wedding in uh, Washington, D.C., and they uh, called me, ironically, for the Seattle series. I was walking along the waterfront in Tacoma at the time, and uh, they asked if I would be able to do it, and I said, absolutely, no doubt about it. And uh, Admittedly, I did uh, break down a little bit finally getting this opportunity because the Angels, the way they have it set up, they have a play-by-play guy and an analyst, not two play-by-play guys who split the uh, innings. I got to do the entire entire game. And I get to what was then still called Safeco in Seattle about uh, two o'clock, five hours before first pitch, set my stuff down on the counter and uh, kind of looked out over the field. And I said, you know, this feels right. This feels good. I'm, I'm, and so really, I didn't have much in the way of nerves. I knew a little bit of my analyst, uh, Mark Langston, the former major league pitcher. And uh, again, no nerves. And then two minutes before my first shot on the air with a pregame show, Mark Gubasaw, the former big league pitcher, comes over from the TV booth and uh, gives me the Leslie Nielsen to Peter Graves. We're all counting on you speech from airplane. 
that really really, uh, loosened things up. And then uh, uh, two nights later, uh, Albert Pujols hits a big three-run homer in the ninth inning to win a game. And one of the beat writers for the Angels asked me, uh, that must have been fun to call. And I said, well, much more fun than the last time I did. They go, what do you mean by that? I said, well, in 2000, when he was a 19-year-old nobody uh, up from the Midwest League to play for the uh, Memphis Redbirds in the PCL Finals, he had a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 13th to give Memphis the title over the buzz. The last game, the team was known as the buzz, and it also uh, gave uh, Memphis the championship. Wow, that's wow. awesome. That's a Man. that's an excellent story. Thank you for walking us down that. Um, one last baseball question before we, we dive into the uh, into the Weaver State preview. Um, Salt Lake has made waves in the last year saying they want to get into the Major League Baseball game. They have a coalition, the Big League Utah, that is uh, headed by Gail Miller and the Miller Group to try and bring Major League Baseball to Salt Lake City. What do you think, Steve, the the chances that in the next five to ten years we'll be watching a team uh, suit up against, say, the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Cubs right here in Salt Lake City? I think the chances are good so long as everything goes through because it's not finalized yet with Oakland moving to Las Vegas. But they can, I think in the West, Las Vegas would be the biggest uh, competition and probably would be a, a little bit above Salt Lake as far as the opportunity. It sounds like that once Oakland and Tampa Bay are settled and they expand by two teams, they want one in the East and one in the West. And I think if, if Oakland does finalize everything and does relocate, Salt Lake is easily the uh, number one location in the West. I think Portland was at one time. But I think uh, Salt Lake is far surpassed. Uh, they have more in place than Portland does. And Portland's been doing this for a long time, just to the point where Dale Murphy, who's from Oregon and now lives in Alpine, Utah, left the Portland group to join the Salt Lake group. So I think the chances are are pretty good so long as everything's solidified with Oakland moving to Las Vegas. Man, I hope so. That would be a dream to have uh, Major League Baseball here in Salt Lake. It would be It'd be incredible. And I, I, I vote for it. If it happens, we'd be called the Salt Lake Goals. Just, just something about that name. It's It's got ties to Salt Lake. is is one of the minor league teams. It's just a, a cool cool name, I would think. So I, I hope it happens. It's it's a good name, but uh, it also brings back memories of unpaid bills and uh, per diem <laughs> checks bouncing in Hawaii and stuff like that. And, of course, now the Salt Lake Goals are – the Albuquerque isotopes with that uh, 10 year span in uh, Calgary in between. Oh, interesting. Well, that would be a, uh, be a good way to rectify the name then to bring a major league team and, and wash out all those memories. So anyway, as, as mentioned, this you, you is like a, that, a, you like that. My, yeah. I was, was going to uh, say, you like that Miami dolphin uh, teal and orange. Well, I mean, I don't hate it, but there's something I, I saw a mock-up of the orange, the orange hat and the, and the, and the orange uh, jersey, and it looked cool to me. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I like kind of the old school look, but I, I, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, I guess. OK, so uh, about this upcoming game, the Utes take on the Weber State Wildcats. Uh, Weber State is coming off of six playoff appearances in the last seven years that Jay Hill really turned them into an FCS power um and and brought a lot of success up there to weber state um they're led by running back damon bankston uh who last year he had 700 yards and i believe eight touchdowns this year he's already almost at 300 yards and five touchdowns after two games so he's tracking really well what do we what what can you tell us about the offense at weber state steve uh about damon what some of his strengths are and what utah can expect on saturday 
Well, you know, one of the things that, about uh, the coaching change is that the new head coach is more offensive-oriented than Jay Hill. Mickey Mental was actually the offensive coordinator last year. He likes to open things up. I, his goal is to have over 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing in a game. So he's not, uh, you know, one of those uh, run-and-shoot type guys. He, he likes to see balance in the offense, but he wants successful balance. And obviously, uh, it all starts up front. It's a veteran offensive line uh, led by the Itaki brothers who uh, – Noah's at left tackle, and Ethan's at left guard. Noah's an All-American from last year. Uh, Jordan Latui, a kid out of West Valley City in Hunter High School, anchors the right side of the line at right guard. A new center, uh, Andrew Carter, but he's a senior veteran guy that uh, uh, looked good. Good. When I saw the game on uh, Saturday, Gavin Ortega is the new right tackle, and uh, he's a kid uh, out of Bellingham, Washington at 6'5", 310, so good size at the right tackle position. But uh, uh, the, the run game is, is very strong. It may not be as deep as it's been in recent years, but Damon Bankston, the, uh, the running back that you mentioned, 263 yards, 7.5 yards a carry. 131 yards per game, solid backup in uh, Chris Jackson, a 5'10", 200-pound senior who's completely changed his body. He was a little thick uh, the last uh, couple of years. He was kind of like the bowling ball uh, at the goal line when the Wildcats needed to punch it in, but uh, he's a versatile running back as well. They've got a, a freshman, Adrian Cormier from Texas, who I think is going to be a good one as well. So maybe they've had some a lot of talent at the running back in recent years. Uh, again, maybe not as deep as it's been, but that depth is being developed. And I think by the time the season ends, it's going to be back to where it was. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, definitely uh, the veteran offensive line is something that they can rely on with the running game. Tell us about the quarterback, Kylan Weiser. Um, what's, what are his strengths? I know he's a sixth year guy, sixth year senior. So he's got a lot of experience, which bodes well in the, in that position. Tell us, tell us about him and what his strengths are. Well, he's been a backup the last uh, couple of years and uh, we had actually entered the transfer portal after the season last year. And he threw two touchdown passes in the uh, playoff loss to Montana State uh, as a backup. Uh, he had entered the uh, portal, but then the, the, when uh, uh, Bronson Barron decided to uh, transfer as well, the starting quarterback, uh, Weiser pulled his name out of the uh, uh, portal and is uh, solidly entrenched as the starting uh, quarterback it's going to take some time i'm sure uh a lot different when you come off the bench at a 30-point blowout as opposed to a uh, uh being a starting quarterback but uh, he's a kind of quarterback that uh, as opposed to some of the guys in recent years he doesn't take needless chances he's very solid knows what to do with the football knows to throw it away when he needs to doesn't make uh, uh uh, ill-advised throws in pressure situations. So I think uh, he's a kid. He, he's out of Notre Dame High School in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, just a solid competitor. And I think uh, he may not be as mobile as some of the quarterbacks that Weaver State's had in the past, but he still uh, he can run when he needs to. He had a 27-yard run in the ball game on uh, Saturday at Northern Iowa. So uh, he's going to be a, a, a solid guy uh, at the FCS level for the uh, Wildcats all season long. Okay. Uh, it sounds like a guy kind of right up Kyle Whittingham's alley. Doesn't take a lot of unnecessary chances. That's that's kind of a man after Kyle Whittingham's heart for sure. Um, defensively, you're led by Winston Reed, who was voted as the preseason uh, defensive player of the year in the Big Sky Conference. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, he's just a, he's a, he's a monster on, on defense. He, he uh he graded out uh, as good as possible from uh, his effort uh, against Northern Iowa. He has uh, 23 tackles, 14 of them solo in just two games. He is a, an ultimate leader, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Big Sky defensive MVP of the preseason. He was an All-American. 
All-American last year. He's just a guy that, uh, uh, is, like any middle, good middle linebacker, is uh, uh, the center of the defense. He's the play caller and does an outstanding job. He's got great sideline to sideline movement. And, you know, the linebacking core is probably the, the strength uh, of this defense, that and the depth of the defensive line. Because even though Jay's not uh, here anymore, they have uh, the two co-defensive coordinators that were there under Jay the last couple of years, Grant Duff and Joe Dale. I think that, to me, is one of the biggest questions for Weber State because, you know, those two guys, obviously, when you have co-defensive coordinators, they're not always going to agree with each other. And, you know, this like the two kids and Jay Hill was the dad. And uh, if, if those two disagreed, he could kind of oversee things and uh, make the final decision. Well, it'll be interesting to see now, because as I said, Mickey Mental, the head coach is, is an offensive guy, not a defensive guy. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how those two work together. And they certainly worked well together uh, with Winston Reed and the defense on uh, Saturday, shutting out Northern Iowa in the second half, forcing six turnovers in the game and sacking their quarterback five times. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of pressure. Um, one one uh, one point you brought up that I, I I think we should touch on is Joe Dale, co-defensive coordinator. Uh, if you look at the coaching staff at Weber State, they have several former Ute players up and down the board. They got Joe Dale, who was a safety at Utah. They got Big Con Robert Conley, who was an offensive lineman mm-hmm. during the Brian Johnson years at Utah, and they've got a, a Ute legend, legendary family anyway. Andre Dyson coaching on the on the staff there. That seems to me um that dynamic would make it a little extra sweet to come into to rice Eccles and potentially pull off a, a giant upset. If it were, if they were able to accomplish it, have you spoken to uh, any of those guys about what it means to them to come back to rice Eccles in, in a coaching capacity? Well, it's, it's especially, I think meaningful for, uh, for Andre from the standpoint that this is his first time. Joe Dale uh, was with the team when they played there uh, a few years ago. And I think it's also the uh, the first time, uh, I guess Robert Conley was there for that game as well. So it's kind of the first time that Andre's come back in a coaching situation for Weaver. And I think he's really looking forward to this opportunity. I mean, obviously it, uh, it's a long shot at best, but remember last time uh, Rashid Shaheed, the outstanding wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, ran a kickoff back for a touchdown to give the Wildcats a 7-3 lead. And then any momentum that was gained by that for Weber State was lost with an hour-and-a-half-long lightning delay. And mm-hmm. uh, that kind of uh, cooled things off a little bit, and they kind of uh, the Utes kind of took charge from that point on. But, you know, these guys do have experience against FBS uh, uh, teams and even an FBS win last year. Last year was great. They got $390,000 to play in Logan, beat Utah State by 28. So anything's yeah. possible, but obviously it's going to be a long shot on Saturday. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, that 2019 game. I remember that Shahid was amazing on that on that kick return. I had a couple of Weber fans right behind me. They're going crazy, and then the lightning hit, and I stood in the portal with my my ten year old son huddling under my jacket for an hour and a half. Uh, we were down at that point seven to three, but then they came out and and made a run. But Weber State seems to play Utah really well. I remember in 2018 they opened up at Rice Eccles and. Late into the second quarter, Weber had a lead until Zach Moss ripped off a 90-yard touchdown run. It was, I believe, 10-7 Weber at that point. So, yeah, man, I I, I think uh, it's not as easy as just showing up to get a win. You've got to you've got to be focused. We've got to take these take these guys seriously because they have talent. They're a good team, and as as evidenced by past matchups, they can come in motivated and and ready to go. So, in that vein, what does Weber have to do, Steve, to pull off this upset? 
Uh, first things first would be a clean sheet as far as turnovers are concerned, because that's uh, going to be a big problem. If uh, if Utah can take the football away, something that they're very good at, and they give themselves short fields, that would be very, very tough on the Wildcats. They're going to have to grind out long drives and get points off those long drives so that uh, the offense for Utah doesn't have the football, uh, regardless of who the quarterback might be at a given uh, series. And so I think that uh, would be two things. And I also think, and this is not just for this game, but for the rest of the season, the Wildcats have to come out of this game as healthy as possible. If they can stay healthy and let the starters do their thing, you know, maybe they can make a run at it. But uh, obviously, uh, looking at things in the long run and looking at the needs to, to, to win the Big Sky and make it to the FCS playoffs again, they got to come away and get through this game 100% healthy. Yeah, that's obviously the, the great X factor is, is injuries. What does the season prospectus look like for the Wildcats competing in the Big Sky and making the playoffs for a seventh time in eight years? It's not going to be easy because uh, this is a, a Big Sky that's loaded this year. I believe currently there are six teams, maybe seven teams, uh, ranked in the top 25. Uh, I think they have the, uh, the talent to do so. They don't play Montana. Uh, they don't play Idaho, which is, uh, you know, they're coming off that 33-6 uh, to six win in, right here in Reno against uh, uh, the Nevada Wolfpack. So, so I think if, if they stay healthy and the offense develops and the defense stays solid, I think they can challenge for yet another uh, Big Sky title and certainly uh, an FCS playoff berth. Hopefully they'll get a better seed than they got uh, last year when they didn't get a seed. Uh, when they certainly deserve to. So I think, uh, you know, they've built a a, a situation at Weber State where they have high expectations. This is easily the the best period in uh, football history for this school, and they just want to hope that they can continue what they're doing and uh, pick up where they left off with with Coach Jay Hill, who went on to to BYU, which uh, I – I really think the last three years with Jay were, were just borrowed time because he, you knew he was going to go somewhere. I didn't think he was going to go down south, but hmm. uh, I'm sure he's uh, uh, doing well there and he's keeping an eye uh, on this team as well. So I think uh, uh, they have a chance to be very successful again in the Big Sky, hopefully maybe get a little bit deeper into the playoffs than they have in the past. They have made the semifinals once, quarterfinals a couple of times, so maybe they can take that next step in the postseason. Yep, Jay Hill's an awesome coach, really, really revitalized that program up there. Obviously, we know that he's a former Ute player um, and was also on Kai Whittingham's coaching staff for a while. I wouldn't be surprised, and I hope at some point he's back up on the hill, whether that's in a head coaching capacity or a coordinator capacity, I'm not sure, but he, we got to get him back in the red, man. He, it just doesn't look right seeing him in that <laughs> darkest shade of royal no, blue. No, no. No, I, that doesn't look right. But, uh, you know, he finally remembers his days. Uh, there was a season opener a few years ago where the Wildcats opened at San Diego State, and I was getting set to do the uh, pregame interview with Jay, and he, he points over to the far side at about the seven-yard line. He goes, you see that spot over there? And I said, yep, that's where I made my first collegiate interception against the Aztecs. So uh, he remembers those days fondly, that's for sure. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that's good cool. to hear. Okay, so we want to wrap up here real quick. Get your last thoughts on not necessarily a score prediction. I don't know if you can do that, being the voice of the Wildcats, but just maybe the way you expect Saturday's game to to unfold. Well, obviously, uh, some of it has to deal with, uh, you know, who's going to be a quarterback. Are we going to finally see Cam Rising uh, get a couple of the series in to be uh, tuned up for uh, Pac-12 play next week against UCLA? Uh, but I think as a whole, it's probably one of those games where you're going to see uh, uh, maybe play toe-to-toe for uh, a quarter and a half or so, and then maybe Utah can uh, flex its muscles. You know, actually, maybe we could uh, – 
do some more field goal for touchdown exchanges because the Wildcats have a kickoff return guy this year that may even be better than Rashid Shahid. His, his wow. name is uh, oh. yeah, his name is uh, uh, Abraham Williams uh, against uh, Central Washington. He uh, returned a kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown. He now <laughs> has five 100-yard kickoff returns for touchdowns wow. in his last nine games. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Okay, so, yeah. So I mean, he's only so he's only two touchdown returns for uh, uh, shy of Shahid's FCS record of seven in a career. Yeah, and that and that's in five game or nine games. You're saying he's got five already, huh? That's that's spectacular. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It was uh, uh, they, they never kicked to him the entire game at Northern Iowa, so it was uh, a shame not to see him do his thing. Huh? Man, that's high praise to compare him to Shahid, but those stats back it up. So. You know, um, any other last questions, Brendan or Pete, you have before we, we let Steve get back? I, to I would love to know how long it takes Steve to prepare for a game, any game. Like he just hey, he calls so many games. Is it just second hand or? Yeah, it pretty much is uh, between the football, basketball and baseball. I'm doing 195 games a year. So it's uh, at 68 now. It's uh, time to slow down. That's why I'm uh, stepping down from the bees job after this season. But, uh, you know, I, I, I spent. Uh, an hour and a half before I got on the phone with you guys to uh, get ready for the baseball game tonight. Obviously, I don't, I won't be flying back for the game on Saturday. Unfortunately, uh, I'd love to be there, uh, but you know that takes uh, several days worth of preparation to do the depth chart, put down notes on the on the chart, and uh, just uh, get ready for for the different games. But you know, for me, the preparation is is half the fun for baseball. For example. I keep a four by six index card on every player in the league. So I have notes there right in front of me that I add to during the course of the season. And just uh, wow. uh, I'll, between that and uh, all the stories that I've accumulated, and even, you know, going down to the, the, the batting cage uh, before a game, like I found out the other day that uh, uh, we have a player who is a huge New York Jets fan and he's a rather loud guy. And, and so I, I walked up to him at the batting cage yesterday and I go, uh, by the way, Kevin, uh, I'm on the 31st floor and I was watching the game from my room. I could swear I heard you yelling and screaming on that punt <laughs> return for a touchdown by the Jets from the uh, from the sports book at the casino. He looked at me and goes, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a quick question for you, Steve. You, you know, now that you're at the latter end of your career and looking back, do you uh, could you just talk a little bit about how, you know, you got where you are? Was this this kind of a set of goals that you had for yourself or do you, you know, um, do you kind of just believe that it was opportunity that met uh, preparation or, um, you know, how do, how do you uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think part of it is it's something that I've always wanted to do since I was 10 years old. As a matter of fact, uh, I think when I was 11, I sold Christmas cards door to door and earned enough points to get my own tape recorder. And I would take it to where nobody else was sitting at Wrigley Field, Comiskey Park, and even Chicago Stadium and, and practice doing baseball and uh, basketball. As a matter of fact, for those, those games that I practiced uh, with uh, uh, at Chicago Stadium, that's when Jerry Sloan was playing for the Bulls. So I go back that far. And uh, so I, it's something I always wanted to do. My high school had its own FM radio station. I got to broadcast the varsity football game. The third week of my freshman year, when I was 13 years old, I still remember we lost 34 to nothing, and my cousin was the quarterback. But because he was so so lousy that day and had a different last name, I never mentioned the fact that he was my cousin. But then two years later, when the 
they went undefeated. He was gold cousin Bob on the radio. So uh, <laughs> it's just something I've always wanted to do. I've had to work hard. I didn't go to college. I've had to do everything on my own. And uh, I've been fortunate enough uh, to catch a couple of breaks and uh, uh, able to uh, uh, fly to Salt Lake and uh, be interviewed for the Jazz pre-half and post-game show uh, back in 91. Got the job. Baseball came a few years later. And, uh, well, it's uh, it's hard to believe that uh, we're coming to a close by the time Next Saturday rolls or next Sunday rolls around. It'll be four thousand one hundred eighty-one games for the Buzz Stingers and Bees. Incredible! Wow. Incredible! You could, you uh, could, that's more... a, that could be a, that could be a movie. They should make your life into a movie, Steve. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it put people to sleep, I think. But uh, I guess to put that in perspective, that's a thousand more games with uh, the Salt Lake baseball team than Hot Rod did with the Jazz. Yep, wow. they got that banner sitting in Vivint. They got they got to raise one for Mister Clowkey for sure. Yeah, you know well, what? It's been I don't know about that, but they 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 did a nice thing this week and uh, surprised me that uh, next Saturday uh, on what's I guess my night or whatever at the ballpark, uh, first fifteen hundred fans get a Steve Clowkey bobblehead. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there that's, you go. That's that's pretty cool. That's cool. Well, you know, it's been an it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here, Steve. Like I said, you are the voice of baseball in this market. You have an iconic voice, very uh, along the lines of Vin Scully iconic, at least in this area here. And we're grateful for for you taking time out of your busy day to join us. Uh, we appreciate all the work you've done in this city and, and for, for the buzz, the stingers, the bees, and, of course, Weber State. And we wish you safe travels back from, from Reno uh, and a, a good competitive game on Saturday when Weber State lines up against Utah. So, again, we appreciate you joining us, Steve. Uh, and taking time out of your day, I am Salt Lake Jake, and I am out. Jake in Salt Lake City. Hey, Jake, how are you? Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake. Salt Lake Jake.